Hey everybody, this is Steve Bowes. Before we get to today's HR Happy Hour show, just a couple of quick announcements. The HR Happy Hour show is finally on Spotify. For you Spotify listeners, just open your Spotify app, click search, type in HR Happy Hour, and you can find the HR Happy Hour show on Spotify and follow us there. So we're pretty excited about that. Today's HR Happy Hour episode is sponsored by PeopleStrategy. From intuitive hire-to-retire HR technology to comprehensive benefits consulting and HR services, PeopleStrategy offers employers a single source for the tools and services necessary to attract, manage, and retain talent. A full-service broker, PeopleStrategy works with clients to identify competitive benefits packages to meet the needs of employees, their families, and the company's financial obligations. PeopleStrategy also provides clients with a technology suite that simplifies recruiting, hiring, and onboarding, payroll and payroll taxes, open enrollment and benefits administration, time and attendance, compliance, reporting, and more. One provider, one low price. Let PeopleStrategy help you develop your people strategy. And speaking of our friends at PeopleStrategy, today's guest is Randy Cooper, who is the CEO of PeopleStrategy. But this show is not about PeopleStrategy. This show is all about benefits, technology, how things are changing in the benefits and HR technology space, how small and mid-sized companies can get better access to better tools, resources, and advice, and some really kind of interesting insights into how all of this works and some almost uh, behind-the-curtain stuff that many people don't know or think about. Randy's one of the best guests we have ever had on the Happy Hour Show. It's the second or third time he's been with us, and he's always great. You're going to love this conversation all around benefits, technology, the new world of HR tech and benefits, and plenty more. So trust me, you're going to love it. Randy is great. Thanks so much to him and for everybody at People Strategy for supporting the HR Happy Hour Show. All right, that's it. Let's get on with the show. You're listening to the HR Happy Hour Show with hosts Steve Bowes and Trish McFarland. Since 2009, the HR Happy Hour Show has been bringing you thought leaders, workplace and technology experts, academics, and more to take on the most important and interesting topics impacting work, human resources, technology, and the workplace. Learn more and listen to all the show archives at www.hrhappyhour.net. All right, it is time to welcome our guest to the HR Happy Hour Show. Our guest today is Randy Cooper from People Strategy. Randy is a seasoned executive with over 30 years of unparalleled experience in the business services and commercial software sectors, including software as a service, with emphasis and experience in payroll, benefits, HCM, finance and accounting, business analytics, and human resources outsourcing. Randy has held various executive level positions in companies ranging from startups to the Fortune 500, and has served as a management consultant to numerous Fortune 500 companies, helping those organizations to apply technology, business process, and innovation to drive sales and operational excellence. Randy joined People Strategy in 2009 and has been instrumental in setting and leading the company's strategic vision and direction. Randy, welcome to the HR Happy Hour Show. How are you today? Hey, Steve. Thanks. Thanks for having me back. Uh, glad to be here. And how are you doing as well, Trish? I'm good. Thanks for coming back with us, Randy. Good to hear oh, you. Love it. Love it. Love it. Yeah, great. Uh, Trish reminded us in our, our, our pre-show prep that Randy is has was the guest on one of the most popular HR Happy Hour shows ever. Trish, I don't remember what year that was. It was a couple of years ago, right? It was a, 
about two years ago and we were talking about like HR technology adoption and, you know, really right. what business leaders needed to know. And I think just the topic in general too, not, not just that Randy's super interesting, but I think also Randy, you were giving a lot of really good tips and, and things for HR leaders to know. So um, for anyone listening to this episode, definitely go back and check out that other one. And maybe we even link to it in the, in the notes because it's one of those topics that was evergreen. So yeah, good idea. Good one. I think that's why it keeps coming up, you know, in searches and whatnot for people when they're looking to uh, get information about that. Yeah. So Randy, it has been a couple of years since you've been on. So maybe let's, before we dive into the topic today, which is going to be all about sort of the convergence of HR technology and the, and the benefits uh uh, space. Maybe tell us a little bit about, just give us a reset or an update, if you will, on people's strategy and what's happening there. Sure, Steve. Um, yeah, it, it, it's really been interesting. I, I'll go back, Trish, and see how long ago that was we chatted. But, um, you know, we've been watching this market converge. I think everybody has. And and everyone's still questioning what what it's going to become. It, you know, at People Strategy, what we focused on, you know, from a few years back, our, our focus was as a, a SaaS HCM player, right? We have a full platform uh, to address the needs of the small to mid market um, from recruiting all the way through uh, through payroll. But um, what we've noticed and, and we we really have latched on to is, is a couple of real big changes that are occurring in the space now as, as this consolidation starts to kind of take shape. Um, so what we're focused on at People Strategy now is what we call our bundle uh, or HCM bundle where we are, you know, we position ourselves really as a 21st century broker. Um, we, we don't shy away from it. So we, we have an entire brokerage, brokerage operations. We have our own brokers on staff, our benefit specialists help our customers understand all of the options they have in front of them, not just the kind of the, the, is simple, I shouldn't say simple, but the, the health and welfare uh, that you normally think of when you're dealing with the with an insurance broker, we we cover the whole plethora of everything that uh, that you need. We're kind of looking at at the transforming the word employee benefits to okay. not refer just to health and welfare type benefits, but instead to talk about all benefits, uh, everything that benefits an employee, whether that be technology, uh, uh, health and welfare, any other type of supplemental benefit. Randy, thanks for the update. And yeah, and that kind of leads us into some of the uh, things we wanted to hit on in the show today was kind of how this is kind of changing and evolving in this um, this mix between uh, employers, uh, what they're trying to offer their employees, how they navigate the benefit space, how technology plays in a role. I feel like it's a complicated space, uh, particularly for for small organizations to navigate. Maybe Maybe you could kind of Tell us what's happening here with, with the small to mid-sized companies that you're talking to about how they're approaching these challenges of, of finding the right uh, partners, both for technology and, 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 and for benefits. And, and it sounds like you guys are bundling the two together. Maybe we can talk a little bit about how that's working. Sure, sure. Yeah, I think the first thing, though, is to talk about, the, as you said, kind of where are we in the market and wh right. why are we here? Because that's the real challenge your listeners want to understand. They're, they're all struggling, as we've talked about forever. I mean, the big challenge in the mid-market is getting access to these enterprise-level strategic capabilities that the HR organization wants. Now, you know, we kind of target in that 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 small to mid-market, you typically have an HR army of one, right? You've wow, got okay. one person probably that's running the organization and they really need to use technology. That's how they can, that's how they can 
deliver strategic capability and efficiencies to an organization is through the technology. Now, the the interesting challenge that, and I, I'll restate for those that don't know me, I'm a geek. Uh, I, <laughs> I always say I'm a recovering geek. They don't let me code anymore. But but I, I approach things from the technology side, which is maybe a little bit different than than uh, a lot of your listeners. You know what I see happening is I've been frustrated forever by the the you know, the fact that we are just creating an immense amount of technology out there to service and help help deliver strategies from the HR organization. But you know what? We we can't seem to to financially um, get it injected into the market. I think it's priced out of reach for many companies. Um, you know, I don't think it's an exaggeration to say, you know, at a company of 125 employees, there's, you know, one person running HR benefits and payroll. And they're probably overwhelmed. You know, Thursdays, you can't do anything because time's all coming in and you have to enter yeah. the time into your time portal. There's, there, you know, recruiting, we're going to hire 10 positions this year and I have to do it all on a spreadsheet going into, you know, Indeed and, and, and posting each position individually. So there's a real need for the technology. The problem has been it, it's been historically priced out of market. Now, the interesting thing is technology is, has grown so rapidly, you know, the the real winners out there right now the the if i'm an employer i would be talking to hr consultants and hr advisors which is interesting because 10 years ago i wouldn't have said that 10 years ago i would have said ah you probably don't need that there's only you know a half a dozen really good vendors and you should be able to find you know an employer should be able to go through that landscape on their own but today that's not the case i can't i can't you know open up my email on any day and not see some brand new vendor i've never even heard of <laughs> You know, they're everywhere. And that's because the barriers to entry have come down so far on the technology side that that it, it's anyone can jump in and have a solution. And that is where the problem is. Everybody can make a pitch. Everybody can can market a solution. Everybody can demo a solution. The question is, can they really deliver on what they say they can. And that's where advisors and, and consultants can help employers because they know the space, they live in it, they breathe in it, they know who's fly by night and who's not. So so I, I think it's interesting on that side that I'm seeing technology and we're all asking, how can we get that technology embedded into all of these companies that need it? And the challenge is just, we, we haven't, no one's been able to quite overcome that directly. And then right. you shift the conversation to the other side of the coin to the benefits, right? And and realistically, this is why we say we're a 21st century broker, because I believe that the majority out there of, of insurance brokers are still what I would call 20th century brokers. They're clinging to the world of the 1990s when there were 10, 15 different carriers, and they actually, a broker had some negotiating leverage to 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 work a, a good rate uh, renewal for, for a client. That's gone. Right. That's gone. With consolidation, there's only, you know, four major carriers, five maybe. And at the end of the day, it doesn't matter which broker, whoever's your broker, I don't care who it is. All they're going to be doing is submitting your census data to those same carriers. They're going to get back the exact same quotes and they're going to present them to you. So yeah. where's the real value in that? I think a lot of that value has been lost. So so for at least the last decade, at a minimum, um, smarter brokers have moved towards becoming 21st century brokers. They've realized the value that they were bringing, which was that consultative ability to to um, evaluate the the best benefits and price that help get you the best price on them. 
since that ability has, has been degraded, they've tried to improve uh, by broadening some of the things they deliver, typically by some level of technology injection, um, starting obviously around uh, open enrollment. But, you know, there's there's a little bit more of a, uh, you know, I think you see a universe of brokers that are offering kind of a light employee self-service, yeah. brokers that are partnering with a payroll vendor, those type of things. And so, so it's interesting that the broker who had the same role that the HR consultants and advisors had 10 and 15 years ago, they've lost their leverage in that, that uh, ability to be the, the trusted advisor. Now, obviously, some of the larger broker houses, they've built whole practices around becoming advisors. So they have the, the breadth and the knowledge to do it. But let's be honest, these small to mid-size, uh, uh, small to mid-size employers, a lot of times they can't afford um, you know, some of these bigger benefit houses to, to even do that work. So, so it's trying to find the mix there where these things come together. And I think that's kind of what we're watching and what we're trying to participate. And I'm going to throw out a, I'm going to throw out a really uh, interesting word here or a comparison at least. And that's Zenefits. I think that. <laughs> oh, that's a blast. Oh, no. <laughs> Andy, yeah, I, <laughs> I know, but look, realistically, let's let's all be business people and realize that Zenefits, for all of their failings on the execution side, they got it from a disruption perspective. They saw that you had an old stodgy market in benefits brokers that frankly weren't bringing the value anymore to their employers or to their employer base. And on the other side, you, you know, they saw that technology was not getting injected into the mid-market properly because it's being priced out. Now, that's an absolute wonderful thesis. And, and, it, and it frankly, they proved it with their initial marketing and the fact that all of us, our jaws hit the ground and, and everybody on all sides was running around going, oh my God, what, what's going to happen to the markets because of what these guys are doing? But the real key there is that they failed to execute. They failed to understand the level and depth of HR technology that's required by these type of employers. And they didn't understand what it means to truly be a valued broker. To, to, when, you, when you take that, that letter called the BOR, the broker of record piece of paper, you know, as an employer, I don't really know what that means. I'll be honest with you. I've been running companies for sure. I don't. You know, I don't. I don't think I know what it means either. I got to tell you, Randy. I'm not sure. <laughs> well, well, if you have employees, you know, you what do you do? What do you do when you run a business? You look at your accounts payable. You look at your vendors, and you go, "Hey, who am I paying? Oh, I'm paying X amount to my payroll vendor. I'm paying X amount to whoever. You know how much money is going out, and you can weigh that in your own, own mind against the service that you're getting from that vendor. Yeah. I challenge anyone listening to this to go look up in your AP system or go to your CFO and say, hey, can you tell me how much we're paying our broker? Because <laughs> you don't pay your broker. He gets paid by the carriers. Yeah. He gets paid strictly by the carriers. And if you also ask anybody, how much does that broker get paid? You're going to get blank stares. Most people have no clue because it's basically hidden from them. At the end of the day, what we have now is technology becoming cheaper and cheaper to develop and build. However, Everyone's forgetting there's a service side. That's why it's called software as a service. There's, it's not just drop some code on somebody. There's a, there's a lot of support that has to go into this, especially around the, the benefits and the payroll side, right? Because you have so many downstream consumers of the, of the data and, and important providers such as the banks for the ACHs and sure. whatnot, tax filing. So there's just so much involved in it. But the interesting thing is when you, when you take that and you look at it, 
the, the, the price point on the technology hasn't, hasn't really been able to define itself higher. Why? Because every company has payroll today. Payroll's always been, if it's the number one thing every company has to, has to do, pay, pay their employees. And that price point was set decades and decades ago by the market. It's not shifting very much. And so as more capabilities are added, recruiting and, and HR compliance and timekeeping and performance management and comp planning and all of these things are analytics, all of them are added. The price point didn't move that much. I mean, payroll's right. always been somewhere in that $10, $10 to $12 range. A full suite system is going to be no more than $20 per employee per month. And that's a massive investment in technology and not a whole lot of – and a lot of service has to be provide, provided behind it. So at that price point, boy, the, all of your vendors work that are in the HCM side work on – you know, work tough on the margin. And then you look at the broker side. The broker, that that guy that you see once a year who shows up in his Porsche and gives you a couple tickets to the go to the Braves game or whatever, that guy, just for the fact that you, Steve, signed over your BOR to him and said, you're my broker, that guy is getting paid probably around, depending on the mix of your employees and whatnot, but in the, in what your benefit package is, but typically $35, maybe $40 per employee per month for the service he, he he provides. And that's why I always say what we need, you know, there's some legislation in, in, in Congress right now um, to try and strengthen the disclosure rules. We firmly believe, look, let everybody see how much money you're making because then they can truly weigh whether they're getting the value. I ask anybody listening, if you know that you're paying um, your payroll provider $10 per employee and you know all that payroll provider does to you every week in getting those checks out, and those ACHs out and getting your taxes filed and everything else and balance that against what your broker does for you. The once a year when he shows up and asks for your census and goes and gets your quotes from those four carriers and what, two, three times a month, maybe where you have some discreet employee issue that you need to call your broker about and, and he helps you through it. Weigh those value props. One of the things you've given the listeners a lot to think about, obviously, here. So I just want to kind of jump in on a couple things before we get sure. too far down the path. But so, I mean, you're touching on obviously there are all these vendors in the space and and that in itself is very overwhelming to many HR leaders, payroll leaders, benefit leaders, because they typically don't go through this sort of buying process or forming new relationships very often, especially if they're midsize or smaller companies, you know, some of those relationships go on for many, many years. Um, and I think that, you know, then when you start talking about the brokers, you know, having been in HR myself, I mean, it may seem counterintuitive, but like on on our side where we're seeing like, yes, they may be only looking to speak with, you know, three, four, five different companies about getting us, you know, certain rates or whatnot, but there's that element of the relationship, that trusted relationship. So what I'm curious about is two things. So number one, you, you talked a lot about price, price of your payroll, price of your benefit broker, price of your benefit companies, you know, all the different things. I, I would probably guess that a lot of HR payroll benefit leaders may not know the price that they're paying. So I'd say kind of homework for anyone listening is to first go out and figure that out. Right. And it, it sometimes is two or three or four different people handling that. So I think that's a, maybe where some of the disconnect is. You don't really know what's what you're paying on, on certain aspects of your people's um, 
you know, interactions with different companies. But my question for you is this. So obviously, you know, we're, we're tech people. So we understand kind of the benefits here of having technology handle um, many of these, say, benefit brokerage type activities, right? What about someone who's been working with that same broker, though, for, you know, 10, 15 years, there's a relationship there. So even though they may not technically be doing much, sort of knowing that you can call that person, like what what are you hearing or what are you talking with customers about in terms of kind of moving away from maybe someone who's just there to hold your hand in that way and, and really starting to rely on the technology a little bit more? How do you guide them? That, that is an amazing question, and it ties into really where we believe the big shift that's happening right now. And again, this is for the small to mid-sized companies. The shift that we believe is is we're on the, we're seeing the front end of the wave. We see prospects come in now that never ever engage with us until the moment that the moment they call us. They are already pretty much know everything about us. They've re- they've researched the market. They've researched other vendors, and they they contact us at that time. Now, why is that important? It's important because we believe that that the people that are running the HR departments, the benefits and the payroll capabilities in these small to mid market market companies are rapidly shifting to becoming a millennial buyer, a millennial with a digital buying preference. And what I mean by that is the days of, of somebody wanting that hand-holding of a physical human being in the same room with them are waning. That's my belief. That's definitely my investors and board's belief as well. We believe that the, the future here is that if you can build uh, – um, a, a viable, great solution that solves all of these problems in one place for one price point that's acceptable to an organization and, and demonstrates hard dollar savings to that organization by putting together the benefits component with all the technology components you need and having them fully integrated so that it's not spreadsheet hell of, of I keep this over here and this over here. It's all in one place. We think that's the value. And the key there is that the millennial buyers are grew up with an iPhone in their hand. They grew up with an ability to, if they had a question or wanted to understand something, they go to the internet, they go to yeah. Google. They don't, they don't, they don't want to have calls from, you know, six different pay companies um, ask, you know, Hey, uh, I want to sell you this pen. Uh, you know, are you, are you going through a process and, and you know, do you have budget and uh, all the standard kind of old school air quote enterprise sales methodologies that are out there. We believe that the future is that people want to be engaged with subject matter expertise that, that they immediately can create to your point, Trish, that, that relationship. Now it's more of a virtual relationship right. because there's not a need for it to be physical. It, it, we can do all these things, you know, uh, through the internet. I mean, I point out that that our company, People Strategy, is is so remote. I mean, we have all physical offices because we need them for check printing and all those things. But a lot of our employees are remote. We work constantly, collaboratively, all day long on Skype and on other platforms. So, and just like this on on conference calls. So, I think that the world is moving, um, and and. We see that migration. I, you know, our approach to sales is much different than probably anybody else, and I don't want this to turn into a people strategy pitch. But we just believe that the the shift is away from old school sales tactics, and digital buyers don't want those hard sales tactics. They want to engage with people that understand their problems and can talk them through it. So we use what we call a um, 
a, a CEP process, which is a client engagement process. And from the moment that someone ever contacts us, they're assigned a team that includes a benefit consultant that is a licensed broker. They're assigned a customer success partner that is an expert in our HCM technology and an implementation partner that would be the person that would lead their implementation if they become a client. And so from that moment, they're actually talking to the people that are, let's call them consultants, just like HR advisors and HR consultants are able to go in and say, what's your current state? Uh, you know, let me understand your, your, your current footprint. Let me understand what are your pain points around benefits? What are you trying to do? Are you trying to reduce your premiums? Are you trying to get higher participation in your high deductible plans? What are you trying to do? And then our subject matter experts can become their partner in guiding both the formation of the best benefit policies, which I mentioned before, are becoming much broader than just the, the classic, oh, I'm going to offer them Cigna or I'm going to offer them, you know, this. No, now there's there's a plethora of, of things that are available out there, different supplemental plans, pet insurance, all kinds, <laughs> just all kinds right. of things that the millennials are like, you know, I don't really care about supplemental child insurance, but if you're going to take care of my cat when it gets sick, I'm all over that, right? Exactly. So. Well, you know what, Randy, I think you're, I mean, you're definitely speaking to what sort of the up and coming leaders are going to be wanting and more comfortable with. And and I think though, you, you hit on something that was what I think would be really key to those people who are currently in that role, like people my age, right? Who are, who are maybe, you know, we were trained up in the way that it was just done differently, right? We didn't have yep. all these technologies to make it happen quite so easily. And so when I was talking about that relationship, I think what you hit on, and you gave a really good example, a very specific example of those conversations that the benefits consultant within a technology company can have with you are the exact same conversations your current broker can have with you. And I think that's where, you know, again, if I am a less informed, maybe I haven't changed the way I'm doing this. Maybe if I'm a less informed buyer at the moment, um, I might be thinking like, well, if I move to a technology solution for this, I'm going to lose that conversational aspect of asking me specifics about what am I trying to achieve from my benefit strategy? And I think it's probably comforting to hear, no, that still exists. It's just coming from within the same company that's also delivering, you know, so the service of, of delivering both the technology and being able to sort of prompt you into those consultative type questions, um, having those housed together to me makes a whole lot of sense. But again, I don't know that, you know, a lot of people probably still don't know that, that that's even an option for them. So that's what's exciting to me kind of hearing it's that blending of the service aspect with the technology that's going to actually make them have, you know, both better price points, but also still make those really personal decisions. Cause I'll tell you what, I grew up um, in HR and my entire, almost my entire career in HR, probably the first 13 years, I was like, I, I will do anything in HR, but never benefits. I hate benefits. <laughs> I don't want to talk about benefits. I don't want to work in anything about benefits. I, I, I like did. benefits, Trish. I'm the, I'm a benefits. Well, I'm gonna tell you that. Maybe sure. remember. So when I actually become when I became a VP of HR and I had no choice but to get into benefits. Oh my gosh, that was talk about strategic. That was truly some of the most strategic work I've ever done in HR. Was around planning for what the company needed and what we wanted to achieve from a pricing perspective. So what I like is that you're sort of giving that really concrete example of how those two blend together really nicely. 
And again, I think a lot of people who are maybe, you know, my generation may may not even know that's an option at this point. So it's good to I, hear that it's I, it's not just like you're throwing a technology and I'm saying like fend for yourself. Yeah, I love what you're saying there, Trisha, that it really is, it's the combination of the two. And the the word I'd use is you know, when is they need a guide, right? If if you're if you've only if you've always done it one way and that's the right, you know, the way you were taught and and now you're kind of again, if if I go with the technology vendor, it's over here and, and the benefits is over here. If you can get yourself an HR consultant or an HR advisor that is that trusted person to help guide you on this on this adventure of where you're going. The second thing I'd point out is is you're absolutely correct. If you think about it, and it goes back to something I said at the beginning where we're trying to I want to see the I want to see the market stop thinking of employee benefits. When you say employee benefits, the first thing people think of is health and welfare. Right. Oh, my medical coverage. I want them to start thinking of the benefits to the employee. That's why one of the uh, one of the things I'm I'm doing is we're we're jettisoning the word human capital management anywhere I can. I hate that term. These aren't it just makes me so mad. I've, I've in my entire career, I've started in personnel, right? Which at least right. kind of has the word "person" in it, and and then we became bring, bring personnel back, Randy. Come on, yeah. Now. <laughs> then we became human resources. Then we became human capital. I mean, what are personnel we going to become? Four point or something. Human widgets. I don't know. The the point is, we're people. We're all people. And so, what I did love that you pointed out there, Trisha, you said how strategic benefits was. And that's what. Pe- yeah, people have to understand that these are the things that you can create that help attract great talent, retain talent, because why do people come work for you? They come work at your company because of the pay, right? They got to make a good paycheck, take care of their family. But the benefits is the that's the number two expense of any company for the most part, that it, anything related to the employees. So that's great, too. But all of these things, everything that affects an employee, that touches the culture of your business, anything, that's the benefits to your employee. And so we need to start seeing it that way, seeing past these little, you know, pods over here of, oh, well, here's employee self-service where you can change your address and look at your pay stub. Oh, and over <laughs> here is our benefits where you'll call this 800 number. No, they need to see it in one place so that they it feels holistic to them. And that that's, that's where I think the market's going. It's just going to take a while to get everybody there. Yeah, Randy, you touched on this and I wanted to hit this before we let you go today was the importance of thinking about both the technology and the service delivery partners that that small and mid-sized companies partner with, because the bigger picture is just, look, the, the small picture is we have to get everybody paid properly and on time. We have to be compliant. We have to make sure we can enroll properly, et cetera, et cetera. We have to make sure everybody gets their card in the mail, right, from the, the provider. All critically important. But bigger picture stuff, and you touched on this, is, hey, we're in a very competitive landscape for talent, right? And particularly for small and mid-sized companies that that are either in major metros or they're aspirational, they're trying to grow, they're looking for the very best people that they can across any number of domains, right? It doesn't matter even what kind of business that they're in, right? Often they're competing against bigger, more well-funded, more slick competitors, right? And these kinds of strategies and these technologies and the ability to offer really comprehensive and, and personalized and competitive benefits packages, man, that is a key competitive um, a lever that these small and mid-sized companies have to pull. Is is that something you talk about with your your clients or potential clients about, hey, it's it's not just about getting people, you know, enrolled in cards in the mail, et cetera, et cetera. And it's not just about, you know, maybe whittling whittling down the per employee per month price, but there's a bigger picture here that that you can help companies address. 
Absolutely. Absolutely. Because the, the point is, again, going back, it's all about you, you can't just talk about price and you can't just, you know, and obviously money is important to everybody. But but the most important thing, and, and I hate the word because it, it becomes cliche, but it's the culture, the culture of your business. You want employees to engage and, and potential employees to engage with your company because they see that you care about them as people, not as human capital. And as a result, when we're looking at them for, you know, trying to help them from a benefits perspective, there's so many there. I mean, we run into companies all the time that are maybe 10 um, percent, uh, you know, uh, executive or, or, or management level white collar and 80 or 90 percent, you know, uh, in the service industry right. uh, or hospitality or whatever, hourly workers. And, and in many cases, they don't offer any benefits to to those yeah. folks. And I understand why. Sure. But the fact is now there's a lot of peripheral benefits where you an employer can afford to say, you know what, I'm going to offer these types of benefits to you. And is it is it full, um, you know, 80-20 comprehensive medical? No, it's not. But there are a variety of things that are, that are cost effective that a company can do that improves the overall well-being of their employees and, you know, teledoc and uh, just a variety of of, of um things that are available supplemental you know i call them insurance products but they're really obviously not true insurance there's many many products out there that that a good broker uh, all of the big shops i mean almost all of the big shops are offering them now and yeah. and so these are these are all you know, I, I look at it as a big toolkit, right? And in that in that toolkit are a lot of tools nowadays that whether it's various pieces of technology or it's various supplemental plans or it's various discard account plans or, or there's just a variety of things that for us, that's the whole thing we want to look at with the prospect. We want to understand what are your challenges around trying to get those best employees in? And here are some things we think you could do on the benefit side. Here are some things that you could offer on the technology side that we believe will help you to uh, attract the best candidates and then retain them once you get them. Yeah, it's really compelling, Randy, because it's really about kind of delivering on that promise of modern SaaS technology, right? And I've been talking about this for years, right? That the the idea, the hope, the goal was hopefully that, because I grew up, right, probably similar to you in this space where the biggest, best technologies were never available to any small companies or even mid-sized companies. They were only yeah. available to the largest, most well-funded companies with giant IT staffs. And we hoped over time that the technology for enterprises would be democratized and become more and more available at affordable price points to small and mid-sized companies. It's taken a long time for that to happen, I think. And mm -hmm. uh, it sounds like your guys' approach is to enable that, to make that happen, and to give uh, small and mid-sized employers, like as you said, that toolkit of technology services and opportunities available to them to help them compete. And it sounds like a really compelling um, proposition to me. Thank you. Thank you. All right. I love this, Randy. Man, I tell you what, you said you were a geek. You are you geeked out on us. I love it. No wonder that show, Trish, is like one, one of our most listened to shows. I, I get I a little passionate about yeah. this stuff, Steve. I just want to see it in my lifetime. I want to see us get over this hump because I feel like yeah. we're building some awesome technology and we're just not getting it pushed as deeply and as usefully as could be into, into the companies that really need it. 
So yeah, I, th- I do see this. This is where we're, you know, th- this convergence, I believe, is the next step. And the, again, these shifts to, uh, of more and more buyers that are more comfortable with virtual relationships, I think, uh, is, is where we're finally going to yeah. break down this last barrier. We'll have to dig into that and maybe on another show or another topic sometime, Trish. I'd love to dig into some of this, how how the millennial kind of buyer is changing things and, and thinking about that, because uh, I never really thought about that much. But it, that was a super point that I think we could we could also yeah. take some time to explore. Steve, also how to empower them because, you know, just because they're having different ideas and wanting it done differently, they still have to convince, you know, those of us from Gen X, for example, that that it's the right thing to do, which, again, you know, we had those same struggles when we joined the workforce as well, right? We wanted to do some things different. It takes a bit. So, Well, yeah. Trish, um, you, you, bring up, you bring up a really interesting point that, that I, I jump off of there, which is that, again, these millennial buyers, you know, I, as I call them, the HR army of one, right? right. The challenge <laughs> is some of them drew the short straw to be in that role. Some of them <laughs> chose it by background. and But regardless, they're in that role. And I think the challenge is, uh, we all know we can think back 30 years ago when we sat down in our first corporate chairs and had no idea what we were doing. <laughs> we had no idea what was expected of us. We were just exactly. kind of figuring it out. And so right. I think one of the challenges is, especially when it's just a technology provider, that person can become totally overwhelmed because they don't, they're just not a technologist. They don't get, um, you know, as long as everything's simple, ease of use, et cetera. But we all know that ease of use around employee self service is easy. It's ease of use for the administrator that's hard because when you're the actual administrator, you're the one dealing with some really complex taxation situations and and just a variety of, of deep, deep, you know, kind of things that you have to, to understand about the about how you want somebody to be uh, set up for benefits or, or use, you know, handled in payroll and whatnot. And I think that um, the, the key there is is making sure that. In whatever future state we arrive at, that those subject matter experts, I, again, the HR analysts, and, or not analysts, but the advisors, the HR consultants, the vendors like us that are willing to put our subject matter experts on the front lines with you, that's what those guys are going to look for. They're looking for somebody to come in and say, what are the best practices? I mean, I can't tell you how many times we go into a, a, a you know, we used to sell quite a bit larger deals before we moved, you know, shifted to this where we believe the the, the real need is. But mm-hmm. in that upper market, you walk in the door and 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 they have a list of all the workflows and exactly how they want those workflows to work. And it doesn't really matter whether they make sense or not. It's right. just that's how they want them. And I, and I think in these smaller organizations, they're looking for the help to say, well, what's the best practice around a workflow for you know, a tax change. What's the, and, and we're able to, and, and I think any good employer or I'm sorry, good vendor as well as, as a good analyst is able to, to come in and say, well, this is the, this is the way we see it most frequently done and why we see it done this way. And I think if we can kind of push those best practices right into the, in, into the, the, you know, standard path, it becomes these guys that, you know, need, they want a, a support team, if you will, because they're that army of one. So, I mean, it's, it's, a, it's trying to find a way to get as much HR and benefit consulting knowledge available to that small to midsize employer as he needs to or she needs to successfully administer a job and, and hopefully you know, raise the strategic, uh, the strategic level of the organization. Yeah, Randy, that is a great way to kind of put a bow on this conversation and to uh, to kind of sum up the, the the main message here and the importance of it. So uh, 
man, great job. Uh, Randy Cooper from People Strategy. The website is peoplestrategy.com. That's an easy one to remember. Uh, we'll put a link to the show notes as well. Randy, another triumphant appearance on the happy hour. And I do predict <laughs> another huge, uh, uh, huge number of downloads for you. I hope you. I hope you guys have a lot of viewers, and I hope you're. I hope you guys uh, keep doing what you're doing because I, I love your show. Awesome, Randy Cooper. Thank, thank you so much from People Strategy. Trish, fantastic. Uh, what are, one of our favorite guests. Great show. Great I job. Know, I know. We could talk forever. We'll do it again. We do. We're gonna. We're gonna. There's plenty of follow-ups here. So again, thanks so much to Randy Cooper from People Strategy. Thank you, Trish. Of course, Trish McFarland. My name is Steve Bose. Thank you so much for listening to today's HR Happy Hour show. Remember to subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. That's it. Thanks so much for listening. We will see you next time. And bye for now. Thanks for listening to the HR Happy Hour Show, your source for information and conversation on work, the workplace, technology, and more. Learn more and listen to all the show archives at www.hrhappyhour.net.